podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to another episode, episode 25 of Talk Smart with Pew and McCart. I'm Andrew McCart. That's young Joe Slick Hair Pew. I like it. Yeah. yeah Honestly, I only keep talking about your hair every week, Joe, because obviously I'm clearly jealous, as you can tell. Well, I, I, I think I'd rather than no effort with you, mate. I, I think I'd rather just get up and go. Well, that's exactly what this is. Get up and go. And uh, you're lucky if I brush my teeth in the morning. So I've got nothing to worry about when I wake up in the morning. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, obviously Monday, we're at 24 hours late because you were at a show last night in Bournemouth with Chris Billum-Smith defending his world title. Um, But we'll go back to Saturday night's fight. We'll go back to the mega fight. I'm going to call it a mega fight because I was buzzing for this fight. I was really, really excited. Devin Haney against Regis Progre. Regis Progre defending his uh, WBC 140-pound title. Um, I'll start this off, Joe. Did not expect it. Did not expect that masterclass, if you want to call it, from Devin Haney. I just thought it was a complete shutout. I, I was trying to find, because I'm good friends with Regis Progre. I've known him over the years. I was trying to find a way to give him a round, and I just couldn't. I just couldn't give him a round. And Devin Haney surprised me massively. Um, suited one one forty, I think he filled into one forty perfectly, and uh, the he got out of the lightweight just in the nick of time because I think one more fight at lightweight, and he might have been found out. But he got out of there in the nick of time, went up to one forty, suited them perfectly, and he put in a masterclass performance against a very very tough, and durable and world class fighter in Regis Progre. Joe, talk to me. Yeah, you talk about moving up in weights, it don't really come much harder than moving up to fight someone like Regis Progre, a proven former unified champion, now current champion. Um, He's just a fantastic world champion. But Devin Haney proved on Saturday night that he's a pound-for-pound star. He is only 25, and you look at that resume, it's probably one of the best resumes from a 25-year-old we'll ever see. Absolutely amazing. Unified the whole division down at 135, and I'm pretty sure he'll do the same at 140, or if not, he'll hunt the biggest fights, the Ryan Garcias, the Javonta Tank Davies. It's such an exciting division, but on Saturday night, it kind of proved that maybe Devin could be the best out of all of them, and he didn't give, he didn't give Regis an inch. He didn't let him have anything. It was just pure and complete and utter dominance. And yeah, it was fantastic to see. As much as we do kind of love to see an absolute war back and forth, sometimes you just got to sit back and admire a fighter's talent, and that's what you had to do with Devin Haney on Saturday night. Definitely. And I don't know if it Regis got old overnight, but his last performance, he didn't look great. And I think at 34 years old, has Father Time caught up with, with Regis? Was this the right time to get Regis pro grade? Because... I watched the Josh Taylor fight back. I watched what was the what was the one in the World Boxing Super Series? Who was it? I can't remember his name, man. That's what just absolutely went over my head. Tyron McKenna fight. Um, he was just a force. Do you know what I mean? He was just a force. I didn't see that last night. I didn't really looking at the corner work and listening to the corner work from the uh, from Regis Progress corner. I almost thought, what are you talking about? What advice is this? I just think the corner work for, for Regis was very, very poor. Um, <clears throat> and I, I don't know if anyone will agree with me on that, but listening to what the corner was saying, I was like, come on now. 
give him something, give him something to go into this this next round. A little bit like what's Devin doing that you can try and overcome? Because Devin was just in cruise control. He was landing the landing the backhand. He was doing what he wanted to do. And I just thought had for one had father time got up with Regis Progre. Corner advice and the corner was it good advice? I'm not too sure. But take nothing away from Devin Haney. He's actually talked about going up to one four seven. Can you imagine that? Virgil Ortiz, Boots Ennis. I mean, you put that young gun, Devin Haney, up there with Boots Ennis and, and Virgil Ortiz and all them young guns up there. That 147-pound division is always it's always a sexy division, but it might just become sexier if Devin Haney goes up there. Yeah, I think there's no rush. I think he's proved that he's probably a big 140-pounder. He was always an absolutely massive 135. I don't even know how he made that, but I think what he showed on Saturday night was from what was 135, now 140, all the way up to 147. I hear even whispers at 154. For the next 10 years, I wouldn't be surprised if there was complete and utter domination. But from 140, 147, and then maybe in a few years' time, 154, there's so many great fights to be made. There's so many young, hungry fighters. And it is the new generation now. And at the forefront, it looks like it will be Devin Haney spearheading it. Definitely. But one thing I will say about Devin Haney, like I've, I have been a, a few of his fights. I think I've been a three of his fights, lucky enough. Um, he, he knows how to nullify you. And it sometimes can maybe turn into a boring fight. If you're not a pure boxing fan and you tune in for some... I know he knocked down Regis program, but it was more of a flash knockdown. Regis touched his glove down. It wasn't really on his, the bum, uh, on his bum. But... Can Devin hurt these people where we can get an exciting fight from him? Do you know what I mean? I mean, he is in good fights, but I think he's got less than 50% knockout ratio. I know, I know, like, a wins a win in boxing is pugilism, it's an art form, it's called the sweet science. I know that. But some fans, we like to tune in for these these big, big knockdowns. And can Devin going up, if he couldn't knock them down at 135, can he knock them out at 140? Can he knock them out at 147? I mean, Boots Ennis, I know he's had 31 fights and 29, 28, 27 knockouts, whatever it is for Boots Ennis. But who's Boots Ennis for? Do you know what I mean? Again, but at least he's knocking these guys over. He's putting them over. Do you know what I mean? Um, I know his resume is nothing like Devin Haney's, but I'm just worried that if Devin Haney goes up even further and fights guys that are heavier and bigger and stronger, can he put a dent in them? And going off his last, what, six fights that he's went the distance with, um, I mean, that's probably the only knock you could probably put on Devin Haney is that he, does he carry power? There's a big question mark there but there's, there's no denying his skill set. The kid is talented. He's a phenomenal, phenomenal boxer. Phenomenal skill set. Very, very skillful. He's going to be hard to beat but I think size matters and if he goes up to 147 that's where we might see him come unstuck but like, a, like you just said there Joe, 140 pound he is big at 140 and I think he'll stick around there and maybe even try and unify that and become undisputed in that division too. Yeah, there's so many great fights. Devin Haney versus Tiafima Lopez is just <clears> unbelievable. <throat> Both kind of coming off of them brilliant wins with Josh Taylor and Regis Progray, who themselves had a fight of the year back in, what was 2019, I think it was. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that would be absolutely brilliant. I know I think it just come up on my phone a couple of hours ago that there's uh, discussions for Tio Matias. So if that comes off 
uh, next year. That would just be fireworks. There's so many kind of variables. I see your face. You're loving that one, Andy. And then chuck Ryan Garcia into the mix because oh. he's still a massive, massive name and he'll fight anyone. He's just come off the Oscar Darte performance last uh, last week. He'll be looking to build. Oscar De La Hoya wants to make that fight. Eddie Earn wants to make that fight. That fight equals cash signs. Mm. And just so happens, it'll be a great fight to watch as well. Talk about Matthias, man. I, listen, I, mm. I was an unknown entity to me for, uh, until what, a couple of months ago, whatever it was. Like, I knew of him, never really watched his fights. Then he became IBF world champion. Then I saw something. I went on the box wreck, and then I looked on box wreck, and it's like this. His last five fights, it was like retired, 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 not knocked down a TKO. He has made his last five opponents quit. Mm. Like gave up the ghost, done. I'm, I'm done. I can't do it. Do you know what I mean? And that to me, that guy's phenomenal. 20 fights, 20 knockouts, one loss. Got the rematch with the loss, the guy that he uh, beat him, and ended up just making him quit as well. I mean, the guy, Mateus, is, I think, oh, Teofimo, oh man, you can't even say the word. I'm too excited for that fight. I think that just say it again, Teofimo Lopez against Mateus. Wow, I mean, Mateus is like this this guy that nobody he's unheard of. Nobody knows about him. Everyone's talking about Devin Haney and Ryan Garcia and the Teofimo Lopez's of this world. Nobody's talking about Mateus one bit, and he is a sleeper, mate. He will. He is phenomenal, man. Richard Hitchens, I know that what he he's been called for Jack Carter as well at one forty. Um, yeah. I think I'll put Jack the favourite. Richard is very, very young and he's only had, what, 10 fights. And sometimes experience and age and all that that comes with it is beneficial. And I think Jack carries that with him. Um, but yeah, I just think right now the 140-pound division out with the 147-pound division, if you're if you're there or thereabouts and you can jump between the two weights, it's going to be nothing but tasty fight after tasty fight after tasty fight if we can get all these fights made. But that Subriel Mateus, mate, I don't know why, I just... I, I want to. I, I can't wait till he gets a fight. I, I, I'm going to. If that's, I want to stay up and watch him because I really, really am fascinated by that fighter, that man. I really, really am. And uh, twenty, like I said, twenty wins, twenty knockouts. Last five opponents have quit. I mean, how many, how many fighters have done that? Yeah, it, it reminds me of kind of a few years ago in prime Lamachenko mm. when he was just making him stop. He was just doing everything, and yeah. Bit of an enigma, Matias is. He's yep. kind of come out of nowhere and he's literally just destroying people. And it'll be really interesting if the Tiafimo Lopez fight comes off. First of all, unification, so that's really fantastic. But TO's probably coming off of, if not Lomachenko, but what was an absolutely great performance against Josh Taylor. So Again, potentially kind of the winner fight Devin Haney next year. Devin Haney can fight Ryan Garcia in the meantime. And then that little tournament between there. I know there's Matchroom, Golden Boy and Top Rank involved in all that. But these fights need to happen. All, and all the zone, extra. though. All the zone. Golden Boy, Matchroom. Yeah. The zone, the network's not a problem there. Um but yeah, the one, I mean, O'Hara Davis, you can chuck him in the mix as well. He's fighting for the interim title against Barrios, I believe. Yeah. So he, he's there or thereabouts. Jack Carroll's there. You've got Sandin Martin as well, who's got a... He lost against uh, Teofimo Lopez, but a lot of people thought he won in that one. He's done one that people sleep on, Sandin Martin. He's fantastic. Yeah, I think a lot of people... There's a lot of people that sleep... The guys that are asleep at that. Arnold Barboza Jr. I mean, don't mm. sleep on him as well. So, I mean, that 140-pound division, if I was to go on, like, if we go on Boxwick right now and we have a little nosy, you'd, you'd probably be like, wow, there's nothing but monsters. That's the same as the, the 147-pound division. 
Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I feel after the discussion, those two divisions are the average sized man. That 5'9, 5'11, 10, 11 stone mark, that's an average sized man. Do you know what I mean? And there's, there's billions of us, the average size. There's not many six foot four guys. If you're, class, if you're over six foot four, you're classified as a giant. So there's, there's always going to be great fighters. It's always going to be a stacked division because it's an average size man. And that's where they would fit if they had a category to box in. They'd all slip right into that 140, mm-hmm. pound divisions. And that's why we're always, they're always the, the stellar division in terms of the good fights, Pacquiao's, Leonard's, ha- ha- uh, Hearns, do you know what I mean? Duran, uh, then you got Mayweather's and stuff, all these guys, they're always there. So yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's it's exciting times. And like, wait, if you were to do a recap of this year, Joe, I think we'd be happy with boxing. Up upset with some things, but I think the way boxing's gone so far this year, I think would be, I think it's on the up. Yeah, there's always frustrations, but but frustrations, but by and large, we've had some really good fights, and I'd like to kind of compare what you class as big, big fights over the past kind of four or five years. And I'm sure this year would actually come out on top because people forget we had Ryan Garcia versus Tank. We've had Spence Crawford. Like, this has all happened this year. So, yeah, I think we do love a moan as boxing fans, but sometimes you have got to be grateful for what you've got. And we've been given some good fights this year. Yeah, yeah. There's nothing, nobody likes a moan as much as me, Joe. Yeah. Um, I do love a moan, as you well know. But let's just just jump over to this side of the pond. Last night, Sky Sports, Chris Billum Smith against uh, Mastanik. Uh, you were there last night. Um, what was the what was the show like on the ground? I mean, we know this Bournemouth crowd and Chris Billum Smith was wow. a big big crowd, and they love him over down there. So yeah, just talk to me about the whole what it was like down there. <clears throat> yeah, Bournemouth International Centre. First time I've been there. I must say, that's one of the best atmospheres I've heard in a very, very long time. It was like a pit. They absolutely love him down there. And uh, uh, Masternak, he, he brought it. It was a very, very, very tough fight for Chris Billum-Smith. And when he didn't get up in between rounds, I think it was seven and eight, Masternak, everyone was very confused because I'm pretty sure everyone had Masternak up. And a lot of them had him up by quite a few rounds. But when you look at it, and I did look it back, he was kind of chipping away to that body, chipping away. And I've been told under good authority that his ribs were completely obliterated and he just couldn't even move. He could not carry on. Apparently completely snapped. And at the end of the day, as Chris Billum Smith said, it weren't his best performance, but he managed to get the job done. And that's first offence of his WBO Cruiserweight World title. Ticked off. And yeah. Big fights from next year. I know Richard Riakpour is being mentioned quite a lot. I think the WBO are going to call a mandatory next week, and it's looking like it could be him. So another big all-British world title fight for next year, mate. Can't wait for it. And just uh, that's why it's a 12-round fight. It's not an eight-round fight. Mm. It's not a seven-round fight. So Chris Bill Smith, even though he was getting beat, he still went in there, tickled his rib cage, and got him out there. So yep. take nothing away from Bill Smith. You might say, oh, he was down. It wasn't his best night or whatever. He still broke the guy's ribs with a punch, mm. right? He still stopped him on his stool. So there's that. There'll be a lot of people will be talking about the fact that he he was down and he was getting beat and that. But that's why it's a twelve round fight. You've got twelve rounds to do it. Do you know what I mean? So that that, that was it. Was it Joe Calzaghe and Taylor? Was it? Remember Joe Calzaghe was getting pummeled by Taylor and ended up knocking him out. Was yeah, Taylor. No, Carl Froch. 
Cole Flotch, yeah, Cole Flotch, yes, Cole Zaggy. Cole Flotch, yeah, Cole Flotch, yeah. yeah. Cole Flotch was getting pummeled and just boom. That's what it there took. You if you're still in the fight, if you're still in the fight, you've, and you've got that one punch in you, then that's what it takes. That's why it's a 12 round fight. It's not 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5. So, anyway, well done to Chris Bill Smith. You mentioned the React Poor fight there. I love it. I absolutely love that fight. Um, we, we keep talking about this when we talk about like uh, all British dust ups and stuff like that. And and there's nothing more than a, a, a two British guys going at it. Whether again, I'm beating the same drum. Whether it be for a British title, whether it be for a world title, when two British fighters go at it, we're going at nine times out of ten, we get a, a tremendous fight. And obviously, mm. there's history there because what was that split decision loss to React Poor a few years ago? Yeah, well, split decision loss to Chris Billum Smith. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, what? Uh, there's a little bit of history there. Um, Reactor's been looking good. He likes to go at the body as well. He's had a good couple of body stoppages, body shots, uh, knockouts as well. So, yeah, it's, it's an exciting time. But like when you look at the cruiserweight division, we were do- I think Britain are dominating the cruiserweight division right now with like Chef Clark. We've got. Chris Bill Smith, the reactor. I don't know if Cole is he staying down there? Is he staying uh, cruiserweight? Or is he going to move up? Do you know what I mean? So you've got Isaac Chamberlain, but there's one guy that you know very well that I cannot wait is uh, is Big Jai Apatia. You've seen him live, have you not? How good is yeah, that? I mean, he's out in Saudi on uh, two weeks, two weeks, three weeks, two weeks time. Uh, Jai yeah. Apatia. I think he's the one in the cruiserweight. But I think the guys in here in the Britain, the Chris Bill Smiths, the React Wars, the Coley's, the Chef Clarks, when he, I think he's mandated for the British Chef. But when he gets to that world level, he's going to be a phenom. And I just think that the cruiserweight division is a good division. And when you've got the WBA now, what have they got? Super cruiserweight. So it's that £220. Then you've got the bridge weight from the WBC now. But I don't get it. I don't get why they're, I know they hit £200 to £260 is a big gap. But that oh. light heavyweight at 175 to 200 pounds cruiserweight, that's a huge mm. gap. Where's the weight division in there? There should be a little weight yep. division, like I don't know, light cruiserweight or something like that. Yeah, I mean, or, or or middle light heavy, middle middle heavyweight or something like that. I don't know, but there needs to be that because you look at the weights, it's just like 140, 147. Let's just start at 140. I know 135, 140, 147, 154, what 160, 168, 175, and then 200. Yeah. I know, I, and- I, Sorry, on you go, Joe. No, I was just going to say, if you kind of compare who are seen as probably the two best at each weight right now, you look at Dimitri Bivol or better be whatever way you look at it, then compare them to, size-wise, someone like Billum Smith and Jarpatia, mm. it's completely different. And if you compare kind of your 140s to your 147, the average man on the street wouldn't be able to tell the difference. But if you compare Dimitri Bivol and Jarpatia... It's a big, big difference when they're standing next to each other. Imagine like Lawrence Acoli and Bevel standing next to each other. There you go. And they're a weight, they're a, they're a, they're a division apart, really. Mm. But they're still mm. two stone, over two stone. Was it two stone? About two stone between them. Yeah. It's just madness. I think there should be a weight division in there. And I'm quite happy with the the 220 pound which I think the w, the WBA have gone with what? What are they calling it? A super cruiserweight championship? Yeah, cruiserweight. And then you've got the bridge weight from WBC. I don't know why the, these four major governing bodies just don't get together. Because how are you going to unify a super cruiserweight against a bridge weight? Is that even possible? Because it's just two different organ, two different uh, governing bodies with two different t- named weight divisions. Do you know what I mean? Even though it's the yeah. same sort of division. It's, it's weird. But then again, you say super lightweight, light welter. 
So I don't yeah, Julian Walter, different yeah. turf, same weight, mate. But exactly, exactly. But I, I, I think I do like the idea of two hundred twenty pounds. But I still think there should be a weight division between that cruiserweight and that light heavy. I think there should be something in there. But that's just me going on a little rant because uh, we were talking about Chris Bell Smith because he's a big man, isn't he? So he could probably go up to heavyweight if he really wanted to. Yeah, and I think it's going to be really interesting, like you said, with all these British fighters. Ringside, you had the British champion, Isaac Chamberlain. You had uh, the man who's mandatory for that British title in Chev Clark. He was there last night. And I spoke to both of them. Chev's chasing Isaac, but Isaac's chasing Mikhail Shishlak, which could be for the European title, which is going to happen early next year if Shishlak chooses to take that fight. Then slightly behind Chev, or some may even say the same level as Chev, is Vidal Riley. He's around there. So it's all very interesting. You've got six, seven, eight, nine British cruiserweights who are all within one or two or three fights from each other, starting with the likes of Vidal Riley and then finishing off with... Your react boards and Chris Bill and Smith who are fighting for world titles. I like Vidal Riley because he could have easily went down that influencer route. Yeah, he could have. He could have easily have done that. He could have done misfits and wiped the floor with misfits and earned an absolute fortune. Mm. But you know what? You know what I want? I'm not in it for the money, I'm in it for the glory and the, the prestige and the legacy and, and whatnot. And he stuck around this professional game and uh, he's going after it. And I, I I commend him for that. I really, really do like the fact that he's doing that. And he probably is there or thereabouts. He's probably two fights away from Chef Clark or the British title, probably. Um, but he he can get there if he wanted to. Do you know what I mean? I think he just needs one tough, one more tough fight. Maybe one more tough fight. That's something that's going to push him, put him mm-hmm. on his back foot. And we still need to see. I always, I'm big on this. And I've said this before on a, a previous podcast, Joe. We've not seen fighters need to go for this adversity. We need to know how a fighter reacts when he gets comes back to his corner after being knocked down, or when he goes back to his corner and he's got cut and blood is dripping in his eye. We need to know how a fighter reacts to that. If you can get past that adversity inside the ring and go on to win, that's when you know you've got a champion on your hands. Um, and my old coach used to say that as well. Obviously, we need to know if you can go through adversity. You've had it easy. It's all right knocking everybody out and doing all this in the first, second round and whatnot. But it's what it takes for you to get up off the canvas, go back to your corner, dust yourself down, go back out the next round and get the job done. That's what we need to see. And I think Vidal Riley is probably, he's probably one or two tough fights away from that British title. Yeah, and I think because of him training KSI and him being involved within that world, people forget... He had a great amateur pedigree. He was a national champion. Um, he was on that board at West Ham Amateur Boxing Club. So he hasn't come from nowhere. Uh, he just chose to boost his... Welcome back. Joe, sorry, a little bit of a technical issue there. Your your face, fo- your face froze. Um, your cheap Wi-Fi down in Essex isn't cutting it, man. My Glaswegian Wi-Fi seems to be a little bit stronger, as the Glaswegians are, between you's uh, Essex. Oh. Um, yeah, but... Yeah, you were talking. You were talking about Fidel Riley that coming from that West Ham's boxing club before you froze. Yeah, one nil Glasgow Wi-Fi, I think. Um, <laughs> but, um, uh, yeah, Fidel Riley. People forget that he's got the amateur background, West Ham amateur boxing club. Just because he went and done something else, he's still a really credible fighter and. I, I can't wait for him to fight someone like Chef Clark and then move into that big domestic scene because there's fights to be made at every single level from English to British to European to world. 
and all of them could be Brits. I like Vida O'Reilly probably against one of my mates is J- David Jameson. Man, he had good fights with Mikhail Lowell, was in yeah. with Chef Clark, got beat by Chef Clark, obviously, but that's going to be a tough fight with Vida O'Reilly, and that's probably the fight that Vidal needs to go for a little bit of adversity because David is a little. He has been there with the top fighters. He's been there with the Lawals and the Chef Clark. So I, I think that that's the type of fight that Vidal needs. And like you said to there, there's fights to be made in that English, British and world level at Cruiserweight and it's exciting times. But I'm, I mean, talk about, we're talking about the big guns here. We've, we've got Saudi coming up with Wilder and, and Joshua and Hergovic and Jaya Pattaya and Bevo. Do you know I mean? It's, it's unbelievable the amount of, fights that are on that Saudi card, but listen, let's talk about the little guys quickly because we will talk about them next week. The little guys. Son Edwards and Bam Rodriguez next week. You excited for that one? I'm I'm always excited for the little guys because I absolutely love it. But this fight is dipping into an even bigger audience. Mm. Like I love watching yeah, a couple of years back like Chocolatitos, Estradas and all of those guys because they brought great fights. I don't think it's going to be that sort of fight because that's not how Sonny Edwards boxes. But Sonny Edwards versus Bam Rodriguez is a true 50-50 unification title fight. And can I just say, how is the Ring Magazine not on the line for this? I don't know. Yeah. That's the thing. Like, I, think I, I, I totally agree with Sonny Edwards, man. It's number one against number two, I believe, is it not? It, 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 I don't know if he's number one versus number two, but the Ring Magazine have even made exceptions to make it number one versus number three in the, in the past. Yes, so I so I, I can't tell you whether it is one or two, 100%, but even still, these are definitely one or three or two or three. This is a great fight. And yeah, the Ring kind of should definitely messed up put here. that. The Ring Magazine line. have messed up here. They really have. Yeah. Who, who else is there? Bam Rodriguez, Sonny Edwards. Who are we talking about? Alvarado? No, Felix Alvarado. I think Sonny Edwards already beat him, has he not? Felix Alvarado. Yeah. Right, and then you've got what's that? Dal- Dal- that Dal- what's that, mate? Dalakian. Dalakian. there. Yeah, he. I mean, he's. He, I think he's got a world title, but he's he's definitely not in the league of Sonny Edwards and Jesse Bam Rodriguez, um, right now. Hmm. So who else is there? Why is this, Why isn't? Why isn't there number one, number two, and why isn't the Ring Magazine? It doesn't make any sense. But I'm sure. I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure it'll come to, to light. I'm sure Sonny Edwards, if he beats Bam Rodriguez, will get a shot at that ring magazine. And he wants to he wants to undispute it down at uh, down at that flyweight division and he can get it done if he wanted to. But it's a tough fight because Sonny's got this lateral movement and throws shots from different angles. So is Bam Rodriguez. But Bam Rodriguez is the one with the 11 knockouts and 18 fights or 10 knockouts and 18 fights. So, I mean, he's the one that packs a punch. And we all know that Sonny Edwards, he can make he can make you look silly for twelve rounds. Yeah, and Bam might be the one with the big KO record, but Sonny Edwards also the one that stops the KO record of Mutalati when he won that world title. Yeah, exactly. He was on a massive KO record himself, so it is really kind of chalk and cheese coming together, like completely different styles, but hopefully. It, it will come off and it'll be really interesting. Like, it's a, a true intriguing fight. It might not be Gatty Wald, but it's going to be a chess match, definitely. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And I, I love Sonny, man. Sonny's still on Twitter talking shit to everyone and everyone he wants. So he's in training camp, the biggest fight of his career. And, he, and the guy can still go on Twitter and still fucking rip up the place and tear everybody a new arsehole, man. So he's a, he's some, he's some man. So he is Sonny Edwards and... Uh, 
as the fight is called out for, he's not scared to call any of these guys out. So fair play to the man, and uh, I can't wait for this fight next week, man. Sonny Edwards is uh, he he's probably the light of the division is always forgotten about, but with Sonny Edwards and guys like Bam Rodriguez and the Stradas and the Chocolatitos, these guys are bringing these lightweights back, man. These these smaller weights back, and they're giving them some limelight, which is good to see. And Sonny Edwards, with the way he talks, and he he's very very articulate and. He can talk trash, but he can have fun with it at the same time. And he's just a he's just a he's just a great guy. I do like Sonny Edwards and uh, Bam Rodriguez is the same. And it's just going to be an intriguing fight. Two undefeated world champion trying to unify the division. Man, what more do you want? Oh, one hundred percent. I absolutely can't wait. And yeah, next week I'm sure we'll be talking about a fantastic fight. And we'll see a unified champion unless it's a draw. But I very much doubt that, that will be the case. Yeah, me too, Joe. Listen. That's probably it for this week. I do appreciate your time as always, yep. young man. Um, and Likewise. yeah, what's uh, what's this, what's what's your plans for December? Just uh, any more shows coming up? Is that you? Last show of the year is this Saturday. All the way up in Sunderland, all the way up in Sunderland, we got Josh Kelly. Good finish to the year, and then yourself, Andrew. You going to the big one? Want the big one, Dave? Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia, Scotsman's um, yeah. to the desert, mate. Scotsman, listen, look at my look. I'm, I'm, I'm of uh, all of skin anyway. I think I might have a little bit of Spanish or Italian in me or something. I'm not, I'm not as pale and pasty as half these jocks in, out here, mate. So I'm, I'm all right. I'll be all right in the desert. I should be all right out there. Yeah, tan will be stronger than my Wi-Fi. I tell you what, my my, my tan right, <laughs> right now is stronger than your Wi-Fi, and I'm not seeing sun in but six months. Uh, <laughs> Listen, listen, Joe, appreciate your time as, uh, as ever, young man, and uh, enjoy your week, and I'll see you next Sunday. See you next Sunday, mate. Cheers, brother. Sports Social Podcast Network.